everybody doing this morning? Let me hear where you're at. It is a great crew in the house today. Welcome to our Palm Sunday service. So excited to be together with you. <clears throat> this is honestly one of my favorite weeks of the whole year, the build-up to Easter. And uh, this is, as Troy said, the really the most, the most important thing that you could leave here knowing today is that God loves you, God's with you. The second most important thing that you need to leave here today knowing is we've got two services next Sunday, right? Like, let's just make sure that we know that. Let me see, show of hands, who's coming to 9.30? Is that when they are? 9.30? Okay, how's many of you are coming to 11? Where's the party people? Woohoo! Yeah. All right, that's my kind of crew. I'll be awake for the 9.30 uh, and ready to go. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that the 9.30 is just going to have a certain jam to it. It's going to be a great week. I'm so excited. I also want to uh, say again, just a reminder on these invitations. I'm, this, is, this is the best week of the year to invite someone to come to church. And I've been making a bunch of invitations with these cards. Um, there's one invitation I want to let you know about. It's kind of a funny one. Um, we actually have our, le- our ministry leaders together amongst us. Um, we have over 200 names that we've written down people we're committing to invite. And then our goal has been 1,000 names or, or people, invitations, personal invitations from our church. And so I totally believe that's going to happen this week. Here's one of my invitations. Um, I, there's, a, there's a dad that we drop off our kids at preschool uh, a couple times a week, and we chat. I like this guy. He's a great, great guy, and I was going to invite him to church, and of course, I didn't realize March break hits the wrong time. I'm not going to see him again, and so I was thinking about this this weekend. I'm like, well, I'm not going to see him before. How am I going to do this? And the only things I know about him are his first name and that he's a realtor, and so I was like, you know, I could probably figure this out. <laughs> So I went online, I searched the first name, I searched Realtor, I searched Coquitlam, Tri-Cities. You know, I got a couple hits. Of course, none of these guys have pictures on their website, just houses. And so I was like, I don't know who's who. Uh, but I decided that what I was going to, I took my best guess at, at, at who it was and uh, went ahead and set an invitation with the graphic in it. So, so either uh, I've invited a guy that I know to come to our Easter service, or I've sent a pink skull to a Realtor that I've never met. <laughs> Either way, I hope he comes. Excited for that. Uh, yeah, this really is such a great week to make invitations. In fact, I would encourage you. Go ahead, and it's not going to bother me if you do this. Just pull out your phone and, and set yourself a reminder that this is a week with a great opportunity in it for you to be used by God to invite someone to come to church. Just set a calendar reminder. Say, hey, invitations. Don't miss your opportunity this week. As Pastor Troy said, we are in week number four of our message series called More. And I'm so excited to share with you this morning. Not because I've got some profound message that you've never heard before, but actually because God's got more for you. And my job really in the next couple minutes is not to wow you with great persuasive words, but really just my, my hope and my heart would be that your heart would open. That as we close the service today, you would actually encounter more that God has for you. In fact, we're going to close our service in a bit of a, a different way than we would normally do around here. We're going to go back into a time of worship. We'll actually dismiss our service um, but some of you, you might want to stick around today and receive prayer and, and worship together. And so we're going to go back into a little bit of extended Sunday morning uh, after that. And uh, my hope is that your heart would just be ready to receive from God. Because honestly, you, you know this, I know this. Life sometimes just feels like, you know, you know how it's called a daily grind for a reason, right? Like it feels like a grind. It feels difficult. And we need the Holy Spirit. We must have the Holy Spirit, not just so that we can have goosebumps in church, but so that we can fulfill the calling that God has put on every single person in this room. 
And so I want to talk to you this morning about something called, the Bible calls, spiritual gifts. And I'm so excited to press into, again, this series on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was never promised to the deserving, but rather to the desiring. The Holy Spirit's not given to the great, but to those who would be gracious because of God's own great grace. And so if you're here this morning and you're like, I am not a candidate to receive more from God, let me just say that is not at all what the Bible teaches No, we simply ask. The Bible says in Luke chapter 11, come on, if you ask God, he's a good father, how much more will he want to give you? The Holy Spirit. So we're talking about spiritual gifts as we close out this series. We will not have time in one message this morning to cover all that the New Testament says about spiritual gifts, but rather just to kind of awaken our hearts to desiring more from God. And speaking of gifts, last Sunday night, I got one of the best gifts last Sunday night. We hear it at our worship night. How many were at the worship night last Sunday night? Such a good time together. So I was down here in the front row, and man, it was just a powerful sense, tangible sense of the presence of God in the room. In fact, I talked to one guy, uh, and he said that for the first time in his life, in 32 years, he raised his hands in church because he just, like, the presence of God was just so drawing and compelling to him. I know, that's so great, right? And so I was down here in the front row. I was feeling that same thing, just drawn into the presence of God, and so I just got down on my knees as we were worshiping. A minute later, I kind of turned, and I looked over to my right, and there was Avia, our four-year-old daughter, and she was just kneeling down next to me. That's the best gift you can get as a dad, man. I just, I sort of got those tears in the back of the eye. You know the man tears? They don't get to the front, (laughs) but they're in the back. They're in the back there. It was a gift. It was a great gift, and just to watch as your kids, you know, from a young age, can just begin to perceive and, in fact, desire more of God's love. So I want to talk to you today about discovering, developing, desiring, and then using the gift that God has put and the gifts that he will put on your life. The first thing I want to do is I want to talk about three separate areas the Bible describes as a gift that God wants to give you. There's really three things we see in the New Testament that the Bible says are gifts God wants to give you. And the first one, we're, I think most of us would know about this one, that's the gift of eternal life. The gift of eternal life. The Bible says it this way in Romans chapter 6, 23. It says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is a fascinating verse to me because in this one single verse, you see this contrast between the seriousness of sin and the overwhelming radical grace of God. One verse. Paul's like, sin is so serious that the penalty or the price or the wages for sin was death. But Jesus didn't want you to have to die that death. And so he came and he paid the price for you so that you could discover what? A gift from God. And that's what salvation is. Whenever we talk about salvation around here, I like to say it, you couldn't earn it before you got it. You definitely can't earn it after you get it. That salvation, your salvation experience with God will always stand alone as a gift of his radical grace that you only ever receive because you believe. Not because you were good enough, not because you did something, not because you showed up to church or you gave or you served. And all those things are wonderful things that God wants you to do. He made you to do them. But your salvation experience is a gift from God so that you and I could never say we had anything to do with it. He forever would get all the praise and all the glory. Salvation is gift number one. The second thing that the New Testament refers to as a gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this in Acts chapter one. He's speaking to his disciples. In fact, this is the night that he is 
uh, been raised from the dead. We see this account in several of the Gospels, and then we see the same language here in Acts, where Jesus basically walks through a wall into a room where they're all afraid, and he says to them, peace be with you. And then he says to them in this room, you can imagine all the things that Jesus could be talking about having just raised from the dead. But this is his focus. He says to them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait, for what? For the gift that my father promised to you, which you've heard me speak about. Jesus is saying, hey guys, remember last week before I went to the cross and I just kept talking about the Holy Spirit. Remember we were hanging out there at the last supper and I was just telling you, you're gonna receive the Holy Spirit and it's better for you that I go away. Listen, it's to your advantage that I go away so you can receive the Holy Spirit. Guys, it's coming, you're gonna receive in just a few days for John baptized with water, but in a few days, you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so the first gift is the gift of salvation. The second gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this stands alone from salvation. After you get saved, God says to you, there's more for you. I want to give you the Holy Spirit. And simply all you need to do is ask. Just say, God, I am desiring more from you. I need Holy Spirit. I need you in my life. Fill me. And I want to say to you one more time in this series, just come one more time. There's more. For you from God today. So we've got the gift of salvation. We've got the gift of the Holy Spirit. And finally, we've got spiritual gifts. This is actually now a group of gifts, kind of under one summary heading, spiritual gifts. And this is what the Bible says about them. Apostle Paul writes this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Like, I don't want you to miss out on this. I I don't want you to be unaware of spiritual gifts. And this is such an important verse for us because what we realize in this text is that you can have had a salvation experience with God and be unaware of the more that God has for you. That's what he's saying. You've experienced God. You've been saved. You're on your way to heaven. You got a home in heaven. God is making a place for you, but you can still be unaware that God has more gifts that he wants to give into your life. And the Bible talks about 27 of them, at least in the New Testament. There's several different gifts lists that we see in the New Testament. There's one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll list some of these. In, in, in that uh, verse, there is, there's the word of wisdom. There's a message uh, of knowledge. There's a gift of faith. That for some people, there's, there's a gift of putting their hands on, laying hands on someone, seeing them get healed. There's working of miracles. There's a gift of of prophecy, there's discerning spirits, there's tongues, there's interpretation of tongues. Then there's another list that same author, different church, Paul writes to the Roman church, and he he gets in some there that you would probably think look a bit more practical, just kind of day-to-day things like serving is a gift, and teaching is a gift, and exhorting is a gift. And then, I mean, every one of us, we're all called to give to be generous. In fact, the Bible gives us kind of a baseline called a tithe. But then he says here, there's actually a spiritual gift of giving that God puts on some people's lives. And, and you're like, man, I don't even know that I'd want that gift, that God would just kind of want me to give stuff away. And, but look at what the, the Bible calls that a gift. Yeah, that's a good thing that God would want to put into your life, the ability to be used by God to give. It's a spiritual gift. And then all of us can lead. In fact, all of us should lead in some way. There's an opportunity for everyone to influence. But then the Bible says here in Romans that there's a spiritual gift of leadership that God puts on some. And then there's the gift of mercy. And this is so important. Understand, church, please hear me resonate, church. What will make resonate, church, a great church 
It's not me preaching great messages. It's not cool Easter graphics, although I like that skull. It's not what's going to make us a great church. What will make Resonate Church a great church is the love of God being poured into a city through everyone in the spiritual community using the spiritual gift that's on your life. It's when the person that's got a gift of serving, they show up and they're setting up tables and chairs and carpets and they believe, they just walk in. It's like the highest gift anyone could have. They know that we would not have church without them. And they're just like, man, what I do is so important. And then the person with the gift of mercy, they walk in and they see the person that's sitting on their own. And they're like, I'm going to go talk to them, make sure they're not feeling alone. And then the person with the gift of prophecy, they walk in and, and God speaks a word to their heart so they can go speak some encouragement or some comfort or some strength to someone. Three different people, three different gifts, one mission. And you don't need to have a serving gift to set up tables and chairs and carpets. You don't have to have a gift of mercy to go talk to someone that's on their own in church. You don't have to have a prophetic gift to speak an encouraging word to someone. But you can sure tell when someone's operating in a spiritual gift. Because it's not just ordinary and it doesn't look like a chore. No, it's not I have to do this. It's I get to do this. And it looks anything beyond the ordinary. It's a supernatural gift. Church, we need to operate beyond our ordinary because this life is too short and God's love is too great for us to stay ministering out of an ordinary, average, broken up me. No, we need spiritual gifts. We need more. So I want to talk this morning. How do we discover spiritual gifts? How do we grow them? How do we want more of them? And I want to press into those, those ideas. The first of them being, well, how do I discover the gifts that are on my life. And I think this is such an important question. How do I know what the spiritual gift on my life would look like? Again, everyone's got different gifts. We're all not the same. And so in some way, I've got to spend some time to figure out what the spiritual gift on my life is. And usually it's not just your natural aptitude or ability. It is God putting something in you you didn't have before. When I look at my own life and I see how God's using me to lead this church, trust me, I did not get born with a gift of leadership. I, like, I am a good follower. I am like really good <laughs> following a crowd. I like following. It's so easy, you know? I, I, I like to kind of, you know, like I like to dress kind of a little bit like in style, you know, like I want to be on the kind of the, the, the front edge because I just kind of like that. It's just whatever. It's not a big deal. I could wear sweatpants. It doesn't matter to me, but like I kind of like that. I don't want to be the guy that's out there first. Like, I'm not that guy. I don't want to be the guy that's rolling in here in tights and you're all like, man, that's too far. You're on the edge. None of us have seen that yet. You're gone too far. I don't know. I don't, I don't, like, I love to follow, but God has put in a leadership gift on my life that I honestly was not born with. And when I see that leadership gift on my life, one of the ways that manifests in our church is that as a leader, I've got a passion for you to discover the gift that God put on your life. How we do that around here is next steps. We say this all the time, that next steps exists for one reason, and that's that you could discover the gift on your life and begin to use it to make a difference. That's actually two things, the discovering and then using it. But you know what I'm saying, like it's kind of like all in one flow. That's what next steps is all about. You got to discover the gift that's on your life. This is what the Bible says, that we have different gifts in Romans 12. We've all got different gifts according to the grace that's given us. I said earlier this year that I've got some, um, some daily declarations that I pray over my life. These are just some Bible-based declarations I pray. They're up on our website if you'd want to see them. Pray them over your own life. 
customize them to your own life. But certain portions of that I, I've, I've written around the gift that God's put on my life. There's a gift of evangelism. Again, I don't know why God gave it to me. I would honestly would have picked somebody else that maybe liked talking to people more than I did when I was, you know, before God started using me. God's like, I'm just, I'm going to, gift of evangelism. You're going to absolutely get wrecked for people far from me. So one of the things I speak over my life every day, it's just like an awakening to the spiritual gifts. I say every single day, I am called and I'm equipped and I'm empowered to reach people far from God. And every day when I say that, honestly, it just happened right now, I get chills thinking about it. Just thinking about the gift that God would put on my life, not because I've got some great gift. Again, it has nothing to do with me. Spiritual gifts aren't for show. They're not for a platform. They're not for a position. No, a spiritual gift is a divine ability to build up somebody else. And so as I speak that over my own life, there's this awakening. And so that's why there's this passion for us, and that's why we run Next Steps, is so that you could discover the gift that God has put on your life. And so I'd encourage you next month as we relaunch today's Step 4, as Pastor Troy said, if you've ever been to Next Steps before, hit up Step 4 today. But if you've never been, just plan next month. You're going to dive right in and just start that journey of discovering the gift that's on your life. The first thing is you've got to discover the gift. And the second thing is you've got to begin to develop the gift that's on your life. The Bible puts it this way. Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, I remind you, fan into flame the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Timothy, there's a gift on your life, and, and right now it's, it's, it's burning, but man, it can be a flame as you begin to develop the gift that's on your life. And I know in a room this size, I know there's many people in the room today, and there's a spiritual gift on your life, and it's dormant. It's dormant right now. And I want to encourage you today. It doesn't need to stay that way. Life for you maybe has felt like a choose-your-own-adventure book. And you've been like writing some of your own chapters into it. As a result, there's a spiritual gift that's just gone dormant. You can get back on a path to using that gift, being awakened and knowing that God wants to use that gift that's in your life to begin to develop it, to begin to grow it, to see it, to see it grow into a flame. As, as Paul says here, when you take that little seed that God's put in your life and you begin to develop it, it, it it's going to feel like a flame in your life. It's going to be awake. It's going to bring you passion. It's just going to, it's going to begin to consume a bigger portion of who you are. Spiritual gift. You, you discover it, you develop it. The third thing, and I love this one, is the Bible super clear? You're supposed to desire spiritual gifts. So our two girls, we, they, they were born um, 19 days apart. Now, of course, there's some years in between those things. Just biologically, that wouldn't have worked. Um, <laughs> but 19 days apart, you get it? We got a four-year-old, we got a two-year-old, but their birthdays are really close. And we're still at that phase where they don't like, know when we group the parties together. Like That won't last, I'm sure, right? Like, they're going to look back at pictures and be like, why were they wearing the same thing at her party? As my party, like, why does that day, like, it's just the same decorations, one cake? Like, what were you thinking? This is not fair. They'll get to that place, but right now, they love doing it together. And so we had their party last week, and uh, it was just a great time. 
I love the look on their face after they've opened all their presents. And, and no matter how old you are, you still act like, like you still have this inside you. You finish opening your presents and inside of you, you're like, there's more, right? Like there's more. <laughs> you never grow out of that. You, you just handle it differently, right? But when you're foreign too, you actually say like, where's, there's, where's more? The Bible's so clear that God wants you to act like that when it comes to spiritual gifts. So what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, follow the way of love. Okay, so stop there. First of all, spiritual gifts is not the goal. Love is the goal. And so all this is doing is enabling the love of God to be poured out and reaching other people, right? So spiritual gifts are great, but they're only there to serve a purpose to bring people into God's love, right? That's not the goal. They're serving towards reaching people with the love of God. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. God wants you to be in this place today and say, God, I want more. Maybe you'd be that person that has the gift of helps and you're out in the lobby on Sunday and you're just helping and you're doing things and you're making things happen. That's amazing. That's a gift God put on your life. We need you. The Bible is saying that you ought to then say, God, I want to speak a word into someone's life today. I want a different gift. In fact, the Bible says here, everyone in this room should desire to prophesy. And you're like, man, that sounds really intense. Like what is you know, what's that about? Well, how do I prophesy? The Bible makes it clear. Prophecy is simply speaking encouragement, comfort, and strength into someone's life from God. God's got encouragement for someone. Let them flow it through you. God's got strength from someone. Let them flow it through you. God's got comfort for someone. Let them flow it through you. That's what prophecy is. Rachel and I, like the gift of prophecy has meant so much to us. I share a story about how some people brought some, some prophecy into our lives at a time when we really needed it. And a lot of you would know um, the journey that we had through infertility for almost six years before our first child was born. But there's parts of that story that I, I haven't really shared, and that's you know, some of the challenges that happened after we actually got pregnant for the first time with Avia. The first thing that happened was, first of all, we, we had that first test, uh, and we weren't even really doing any kinds of tests. We were like, we had, it was so far beyond um, really month to month doing any kinds of tests. When you're towards the six-year mark, you're like, uh, we, should, we don't need to test anymore. We still had faith God was going to do something, but we just weren't rolling tests. In fact, Rach got so tired, uh, she didn't realize she was pregnant, but uh, she got so tired at work, she went and she drove away from work. She drove to a mall nearby her work, and she had a nap at the mall. We still didn't even know. She was like, maybe I got mono. You know, it's like we had no, it was so far into this journey of it not happening. We're just not at all aware to the signs, you know, like where, where were we? So then she does finally take a test and then we're jumping up and down in the bathroom. But then we're like, well, it's hard to read that second line on the test and maybe it's not really what it's saying. And so we should go get another test. We should go get the smiley face test because this is like that second line test. Not cutting it for us right now. I can't really tell, so we're going to go get the smiley face test. So at like 10.30 at night, we drove to Walmart. We came home. We did the smiley face test. It was smiling. We're like, what? This is so amazing. So we're jumping up and down. We're like, okay, now we got to go to the doctor and really make sure, right? So we got, we're really, really sure. So we go to the doctor. And the doctor, we take the test. The doctor comes back into the room, and the doctor says to us, I'm sorry, you're not pregnant. And we're just kind of like, oh, that's a pretty heavy moment. About this much time elapses and a nurse walks in the room and she's like, doctor, the test, they're pregnant. You read it wrong. Now, just kidding. If you're a doctor (laughs) 
and you've got a couple in your office. And they've been trying for five and a half years to have a child. Like, take your time on that test. Maybe don't do the two lines. Get the smiley face. Invest a little. Like, get the right equipment. Know what you're saying. So, sure enough, we're pregnant. So then some time elapses, and we still haven't told anyone that we're pregnant, and we begin to see some signs that things aren't going that well, to the point where they booked us in for an emergency ultrasound. The day we were to go in for the emergency ultrasound, there was a lot of... Um, there was some really intense uh, anxiety in our hearts that after this long journey, for the first time we were pregnant, that it, it might not happen. I went to work that day. I was on staff at another church, and I was in the office when one of the other staff members walked up to me, and she said to me, she said, um, Pastor Shane, uh, I really need to share something with you that God spoke to me three months ago. I was like, okay, what, what's that? She said, three months ago, God gave me a really vivid, clear dream. In the dream, I saw you and I saw Rachel. And God speaking to you and God said, you're going to have a child because it's been declared by the Lord. And she's like, you know, I, it's just, it's really weird for me to share this with you because I know you, like she has no idea we're pregnant, that we're going through this battle. It's a gutsy thing to walk up to people that doctors have said it's never going to happen to and tell them it's going to happen, right? I can see the trepidation that she had in waiting three months. And she said, I haven't come to you for three months to share this with you because honestly, I just, it's a pretty big thing and I don't want to get it wrong. And I, I might be wrong, but I just, I wanted you to know this because honestly, for every single day since then, God has reminded me of it. Okay, well, that was pretty amazing. God spoke something to someone three months ago. It's going to show up on the day. We've got an emergency ultrasound and saying, you're going to have a child because God's spoken it. That night, same day, we had some people over to our house. One of them pulls me aside in the kitchen. This this woman, and she says to me, she says, um, so I had this vision. <laughs> and she said, in the vision, you and Rachel were holding a baby, and the baby had curly hair just like you. Now, she knew that we were in the process of potentially adopting a baby. So what she was really saying in that was she was saying, I believe you're going to have a biological child because this, their hair, it's just, it's just like you. And just, again, quick little sidebar. At, this, at that time, I had essentially the same haircut as Rachel. And yeah. Until I realized that wasn't cool, right? Like, not your hair, babe. I mean, like me having the same hair. Your hair's cool. Mine, not so much. Thank you, Lord, that I'm going to hold. I'm going to, like, I, I, it's, it's every day Rachel and I, like, count the hairs on my head. And we realize there's a few less, but I'm just, I'm pushing it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. Glory to God. I might shave like Pastor Troy soon here. I don't know. It's like there's still, an, there's still, don't look too close at my hair when we're talking. It just, it kind of freaks me out. <laughs> now, so, so one day, emergency ultrasound, two words from God that God spoke to people in advance of that day and sent them on that day to speak those things to us. 
Why did God do this? I mean, eventually we're going to have Avia anyways, right? Like, so God could just be like, hey, you're going to have your baby anyways. Why did God need to show up then and tell us, hey, I see what you're going through and you're going to make it through this and you're going to have a child? Why did God do it on that day? Here's what I believe, honestly. I believe God did that. So we would never look back at the birth of Avia and say, you know what, we just finally got lucky. Like, you know what, finally it just kind of worked its way out. Finally, eventually, one of the 300 billion that, <laughs> that you know, swam their way, like they just, they might. Michael Phelps did, and they finally got there. God never wanted us to think that. God wanted us to be aware that this, from start to finish, was a miracle. And he used the gift of prophecy from people coming and sharing this with us. And the Bible makes it. Now, it should not be a surprise to any one of us that God is that powerful, right? In fact, none of us would show up to church to worship God if he wasn't that powerful. The problem we have is that most of us don't believe God wants to put that power through our lives. But church, God does not give his power to the bold. God gives his power to the broken. God does not give his power to the outstanding. God gives his power to the ordinary. God's not looking for you to figure it all out and get it together before he can use you. He's looking for you to begin to discover, for you to begin to develop, for you to even begin to desire more than you've ever seen him do through your life. So this morning, in a moment, we're going to do something we've never done at Resonate Church. And we're actually going to open up the front of church for some prayer time as we close the service. We're actually going to dismiss the service, and you're welcome to stay and worship band's going to go back into a time of worship. We're going to have people come forward and we're going to pray for you. And you say, well, why don't we do that all the time? Honestly, the reason we don't do that all the time, the reason our why for doing prayer in the lobby after a service is, is very clear for me. It's that I never want you to think that God could only move here. I want you to understand that God moves in your house. God moves in the lobby. God moves, moves in loud office buildings. God moves in places where you don't think he could show up. And we want to establish that as part of the culture of our church. We will pray anywhere, anytime, and that's when God will move, okay? That's why we do what we do. But this, like last Sunday night was just such a powerful time as we invited people forward for prayer. And so we do want to make those opportunities happen for you. And today is going to be one of them where we just kind of extend things a little bit. So in a few moments, we'll dismiss the service and, and, and of course, if you need to go, you can go. But I would invite you today to stay and come forward for prayer. Because God, quite honestly, he's got more for you. And not just in a Sunday. He doesn't want you to get it all today. But he's got more for you. And then he's got more for you. And then he's got more for you. Why? So that he can reach his love into this city through a people that just say, God, thank you for the gift that you've given me. I'm going to use it. Would you bow your heads with me all over the room? God, we thank you for your presence in this place. God, I thank you that you desire to pour out your Holy Spirit upon your church and that you're moving in this place today, God. And I pray, Father, that you would speak by the power of your Holy Spirit as we enter into a time of worship and prayer. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's some of you here in the room this morning. And what you need, honestly, is that first gift. You need the gift of salvation in your life today. So I want you to ask, is there anyone here today? And we're not going to center you out or embarrass you. We're not going to call you forward to the front. I simply want to pray with you today a prayer of believing salvation faith. Today, before you leave this place, you'd say, yeah, I want to, I want to make that decision today to follow Jesus. If that's you, would you just take a moment right now and shoot up your hand, hold it up in the air, and then, and then lower it back down. I just want to pray for you before we leave church today. You'd say, yeah, Pastor Shane, this is my moment. I'm going to make a decision today to 
to choose to follow Jesus. Yeah, is there anyone in the room today? You'd say, yep, that's me. Don't miss me this morning. I want to pray that prayer. So great. So great. Come on, church, let's all join together with those who are praying this prayer today and just say this. If, if you raised your hand or you didn't, but you know you want to make a decision to follow Jesus today, come on, just pray this prayer with believing faith. Say, dear Jesus, my life's yours. My full surrender. And I choose to follow you. I believe that you died and rose again so that I could be forgiven free. Thank you for saving me. Help me to follow you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together for those that made that decision today in the room?